Walters would like to congratulate the Washington Wizards on making the 2021 NBA postseason. Join us for the playing tournament and all NBA postseason games beginning this week. Tonight, the Washington Capitals resume their first round Stanley Cup playoff series against the Boston Bruins. Reservations are still available at opentable.com. Walters also looks forward to the increased capacity that we'll have on Friday when we welcome home the Nationals and DC United for the weekend. Walters is the place to be this week with friends. Tuesday night, you can watch both the Nats and the Wizards. Wednesday, it's the Nats and the Caps. A big week for DC sports. No better place to watch than Walters. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He guns in the one-two, swing and a miss and another changeup. And it's easily the best inning of the game for Strasburg as he strikes out the side. He has fanned four in a row. At the end of four, it remains nothing to nothing. Fetty rocks, kicks, throws. Swing and a ground ball, chopped to short. Turner reaches down to his left, whirls all the way around, and fires to first to get his man. And Eric Fetty, for the first time in his big league career, has finished off seven shutout innings. The pitch swung on and into the air down the left field line toward the corner. This one deep and into the Diamondbacks bullpen. It is gone. Goodbye. An opposite field home run down the left field line for Yadier Hernandez. And just like that, bang, zoom goes Yadiel Hernandez with a pinch hit opposite field home run. And the Nationals are on the board. It's Washington 1, Arizona nothing. And welcome to Nats Chat for Monday, May 17th, 2021, along with Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Nice to be back on the pod. Mark and Tim Shovers doing an excellent job for the previous installment and thrilled to be talking about a Nationals victory with some intrigue now of the performance by Eric Fetty on Sunday afternoon. A 3-0 win at the Arizona Diamondbacks to take the series two games to one. Nats get to 16-20, and win a series for the first time in four series. And it is juicy, my friend, when it comes to what to do now if you're Davey Martinez. You know, it's so funny. He asked for Fetty to make the decision difficult. I do believe Eric Fetty did that with that outing on Sunday. He did do that, Al. And first, I have to compliment you, as I said yesterday, on your savvy veteran move to take Saturday night off because I don't know if you knew it was coming, but you picked the right one to skip because that was a dud of a ball game and a late night game at that. And now you show up on Sunday and we've got all kinds of intrigue and a win to talk about and the ramifications of the win. So veteran move by you, even though you're still relatively new at this, I applaud you for that one. We got a lot to talk about because 
I agree. There is a decision to make, and it's not as clear cut as we maybe thought it would have been 24 hours ago. Absolutely not. It's as if Davey and I planned this out. I'll, uh, I'll leave that for others to try to figure out. By the way, before we go any further, we need to announce something very special when it comes to the Nats Chat Podcast. Ask and you shall receive Nats Chat Podcast t-shirts are now available to be purchased, can be bought in medium, can be bought in large, can be bought in extra large. The website is natschatpodcast.square. Dot site. The uh, t-shirts are really good looking. Got mine already. I know Mark's getting his. Very sharp. Logo is outstanding. And uh, support the podcast. Support the movement. You can get your Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt at, again, natschatpodcast.square.site. So we're very excited about these. They look great, Al. My whole family has them. We all have worn them already. And uh, hopefully, like I said before, we can get some fans to wear them to a game spot me, you know, track me down. I'll come down and find you and say hello and uh, maybe, uh, you know, spread the word because we've already got a nice audience here, a nice group of uh, diehard Nats fans who are following us on the podcast, but we want more. And there's no better way to advertise than wearing a t-shirt to a ball game with thousands of other Nationals fans. So uh, please check it out. It's, it's a good quality shirt. I'm not just saying that. It's a good quality t-shirt. Nice job by everyone involved. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, let's get Strasburg to wear one, okay? That's still my goal for this season. <laughs> Steven Strasburg to wear a Nats Chad podcast t-shirt. Maybe he'll wear it upon making his return to the Major League Ball Club. So Steven Strasburg on Sunday, tossing four into third shutout innings for AAA Rochester in a 2-1 loss for the Red Wings to the Buffalo Bisons in Trenton, New Jersey. First actual rehab start for Strasburg since going on that 10-day injured list a few months back with the right shoulder inflammation. In the meantime, it seemed like Eric Fetty, more or less no matter what he did on Sunday, was going to be demoted back to the bullpen. He's out of minor league options, but it sure felt like, okay, they're not going to not put Strasburg back into the rotation. Maybe Fetty can supplant Joe Ross, but realistically, it's probably going to be Fetty once again in his career being jerked from reliever to starter, back to reliever, etc. Well, what does Fetty do in this 3 nothing win at Arizona on Sunday? He has not just a very good start, but what I would argue is the best start of his major league career. Seven scoreless innings, four strikeouts versus three hits, which were a double and two singles and two walks on 97 pitches, 60 of which were strikes. And now all of a sudden, it's not so clear what's going to happen. Did Eric Fetty, in fact, save his spot in the rotation with this terrific performance on Sunday? I don't know if he saved it, but he certainly is going to make Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo and all the other decision makers have to pause and think about this now. It's not clear cut anymore. And I agree this was the best start of his major league career. He had only pitched into the seventh inning two times previously. He had only completed the seventh inning once, and this is the first time that he did it without giving up a run. So he was fantastic, and he finished strong. He got into a jam in the third inning, and I thought this was his biggest moment of the game when he struck out David Peralta, the Dimebacks cleanup hitter, with two on and two out really sequenced it well. He got ahead of him with a changeup. Then he started throwing cutters on the inside of the plate to set up a 95-mile-an-hour sinker perfectly placed down and away to strike him out. And after that, he was essentially perfect. He had a walk to open the seventh, but he raced it with a double play ball. So for four innings, he faced the minimum to finish his start. And he even said he felt good enough to come back for the eighth if they needed him to at 97 pitches. So I don't know what it's going to ultimately mean, but he certainly did everything in his power to make the case. And I do think if you are Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo, you have to at least stop and think about this now of what you're going to do. It's not an easy answer. Joe Ross 
all along was supposed to be the fifth starter. And he has, we've been talking about, been one of the more pleasant surprises, although I think he hasn't looked as good of late. And in some cases, even his successful starts, he's gotten away with maybe not pitching as well. The whole issue here is that both these guys are out of options, as is Austin Voth. And so they can't send any of the minors, at least not without risking losing them. And I think they would at this point. So it's a tricky spot for them to be in. I don't know what the right answer is. Maybe the answer is to wait on Strasburg. I don't know. But it's nice to see them have that dilemma because all these years we keep waiting to see who's their number five starter. Can one of these guys step up? Well, two of them are stepping up and the third guy's doing a great job out of the bullpen on top of that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I I think a few things here. So number one, we are assuming that Strasburg is about to be activated. I'm not sure what the point would be to have him make another rehab start. He looked just fine pitching for AAA Rochester on Sunday. So there's that. Maybe they do make him make another rehab start. I, I don't know, though, what the point really would be at this point. There is the possibility of a six-man rotation, which Davey did not dismiss prior to the game on Sunday. Now, it's non-conventional. It's certainly not something we're used to the Nationals doing. There is something to be said for, you know, it's Eric Fetty and Joe Ross. You know, it's not Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin. So, I mean, do we really need to be making an additional spot in the rotation for one of these guys? But that is a possibility. You could go with a six-man rotation. That's don't have an off date coming up anytime soon. Here's what I'm coming back to, though, when it comes to Fetty versus Ross. So Fetty's numbers are better than Ross's at this point on the season. Now the guy's been lights out overall, but like if you really do want to do it based on merit, Fetty does have a better ERA, does have a better whip. But to me with Fetty, it's, you know, you took the guy with a first round pick. We've been waiting on him for years to finally sort of warrant that selection having been made. He, in fairness to him, and I just said it has been jerked between starter and reliever so many times. And like now that it may finally be clicking, to put the kibosh on that, you know, to pull the plug on this, just as he's maybe coming into his own, I just feel like would be so unfortunate for this guy who maybe finally is figuring some stuff out. I mean, as many seasons as Fetty has pitched at the major league level, his career innings total isn't that high. I brought this up recently. It's only like a little more than 200 major league innings for Eric Fetty. So it's really not that much time at the major league level. It feels like a lot more than it actually is. And and I just would hate to see now that he's coming into his own for him to once again be yanked out of that rotation to be put into a spot in which we know he doesn't do very well in the bullpen and to see him have to kind of start all over again. I just forget about it being fair. If you're finally developing this guy, you're retarding the development if you do this. Yeah, I agree 100% with you. And I think you could make a similar case for Joe Ross that he's been moved around. So remember in 2019, he was in the bullpen and was awful there. And then he was going back and forth to Fresno He finally, late that season, was in the big league rotation, pitching every fifth day, and that's when he looked good, when he had some consistency at last, and that's what earned him that emergency start in the World Series when Max Scherzer couldn't post. So the problem here, it's not that either of these guys has been so good that they have to stay in the rotation. It's more that neither, both of them are going to be hurt by going to the bullpen, and the team's going to be hurt by that, because now you're carrying someone in your bullpen who's not really cut out for it. You're going to have to find the right spots to use them in, manage their workload and all that. And so that's ultimately not going to help them. And somebody else is going to lose their job in the bullpen because of it. This is the problem with the options game. Now, remember, they went to spring training believing that Fetty had one more option, remarkably a fourth year option. It doesn't happen to many players. And Fetty and his agent, Scott Boris, filed a grievance against it. And they won that grievance. It's complicated, but essentially boils down to last year in the pandemic year that that should count, even though it wasn't a full season. And so he was temporarily optioned last year during the shutdown. 
And MLB initially was trying to say that that didn't count. And ultimately, an arbitrator said, no, it does. And so this is why they're in this position. Ideally, one of them should go to AAA and pitch every fifth day, and then you call on them when you need them. Well, they can't do that. So I don't know what the answer is. The six-man rotation, I don't think is really likely going to happen. The argument for it would be to try to manage Ross's innings and Strasburg's innings after they missed a year. But Dave even said, Max is going to pitch every fifth day. And you would imagine they want to do the same with Corbin and probably Lester as well. So it just screws everything up. I don't think it's worth it. I don't think that's where they're going to go. Something's going to have to give here eventually. And I don't know what the right answer is. But unfortunately, it's probably not going to help the team and it's not going to help the odd man out as far as their long-term development. Yeah. I mean, unless there's an injury, I think it's going to be Fetty who gets sent to the bullpen because that's just the way things go. I don't think it should be. I think it should be Ross. And uh, I think it's going to hurt Fetty. I do. And look, I'm not trying to make it sound like Eric Fetty is becoming some dominant starter, but I just first round pick, been waiting on this. It's finally, maybe, possibly happening. I mean, he has a start of his life on Sunday. <laughs> and after that, the guy gets yanked. I just, I, I feel bad for the guy. I hate to see something like that happen with the guy, but he got the job done. I mean, you know, he a bunch of ground ball outs on Sunday. It was great to see that. Like, this is all we've been asking for from him. He's giving it to us. And uh, it, it's about to, I think, go bye-bye. I, I think it's going to be Ross who ends up staying with them. With a decision like this, this is more of a Mike Rizzo decision than a Davey Martinez decision. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I, to some extent, although because it's not an actual transaction of somebody being sent down, I think there is maybe more uh, input that Davey can have on this and Jim Hickey, the pitching coach. I would describe it as an organizational decision. This is something they're all going to have to sit down together and come to some consensus. But if there's some disagreement over it and they can't all agree on it, I would say ultimately Mike Rizzo makes the final call on it. I think that's fair to say. But it's not a straight up, you know, who should we send down? Who should we call up? That's more of a GM question. Once you're on the team, your role within the team, very often I think the manager has the right to make that decision. One other possibility here, it just occurred to me, is maybe they let them all pitch next weekend against the Orioles. And that's essentially a six-man rotation, but you push Strasburg back a day, give him an extra day of rest after the rehab start, and that's fine. And maybe he goes, you know, like next Sunday, Fetty could pitch Saturday, and then you make your decision after that. So maybe Fetty has a rough start, okay, now he made the decision for you. Or Joe Ross has a bad start, that makes the decision for you. So it's sort of like delaying it just by a few days. Everybody gets to make one more start and then they decide. So a little bit of a six-man rotation just for the week, that might be one option here that they could use. But like I said, there's no right answer to this. And unfortunately, there's a lot of ways it could go wrong if they make the wrong choice. Eric Fetty, eight starts on the season, had that really bad initial start since then. And it's not like he's been perfect in every start since then, but since then over the seven starts, an ERA at 335. I mean, this is what we've been waiting on with Fetty. Now, in fairness to Joe Ross, he's had his two blow-up starts here, including the one on Saturday night. But if you take out the two blow-up starts, he's done a good job on the season. His other five starts, he's got an ERA of 163. So to your point, you can make a case for either guy. I mean, it's not like either one has been outstanding, but I look at Fetty, I'm just like, man, I hate to see this happen again to him. We'll see. I think he is going to be the odd man out. I think Ross does stay in the rotation. But at least these guys have made it a conversation, which, you know, wasn't necessarily always going to be the case in terms of how each guy's career has gone so far. So terrific job by Eric Fetty on Sunday. Good game for the Nationals bullpen as well. You know, this was not a great weekend for the Nationals bullpen. Some runs were given up. Not on Sunday, they weren't. Daniel Hudson outstanding against scoreless bottom of the eighth with a couple of strikeouts. And Brad Hand pitching for the first time since his three consecutive bad appearances that included two blown saves 
perfect bottom of the ninth with a couple of strikeouts, those of Eduardo Escobar and Steven Vogt. Very nice to see Brad Hand look as the Brad Hand he's supposed to be with that outing on Sunday. And they both threw strikes. 14 pitches, 10 strikes for Hudson, 14 pitches, nine strikes for Hand. They got strikeouts, each of them two, and there was no drama in that at all. Once they scored the three runs in the top of the eighth, and you're thinking, oh boy, all right, well, it's not over yet. They still need the bullpen to close it out. There was zero drama, and that's exactly what you want from those two. I think we said all along, as bad as those outings were for Hand, you got to remember how good he looked prior to that point. And the hope was that was just a weird little blip for a few days, and it happens to everyone and that in the long run, he'd be fine. So this is his first time back out there. All look good. Let's see it again the next time and the time after that. But I think he has earned the benefit of the doubt to not get too stressed over those three bad outings because of what his track record, what he's done. And Daniel Hudson continues to be excellent for them. He now has a 1.46 ERA. The whip is well below one. He threw the other day 99 miles an hour to uh, get Bryce Harper. I mean, he looks very good right now the best version of what we've seen of him. So if those two are are fine, then this team's going to be in very good shape moving forward. Yeah, Hudson, 15 strikeouts in 12 and a third innings as well. You always love to see that, right? More than a strikeout per inning from one of your top relievers. Hudson has done that. And I think at this point, you have to say, especially with Austin Voth giving up the uh, two-out, two-run homer to Escobar, bottom of the eighth on Saturday night, Hudson holds the championship belt for the moment. Best Nationals reliever so far this season. At least the best Nats reliever with a, a last name other than Espino. That's right. I'm glad you, you had to get that in there. I'm glad you you threw that in there. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so good job by the Nats pen on Sunday. Are you interested in buying or selling your home? Support for Nats Chat comes from Rachel Levy of Compass Real Estate. By focusing on the personal parts of the real estate process and using technology to simplify the rest, Rachel seamlessly guides her clients through their experience. Rachel uses her deep local knowledge and exceptional customer service to advocate for her clients all across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. To learn more, follow her on Instagram at Real Estate Rachel. Hey, Natchat listeners, Tim Shover's here to tell you about Sunday Scaries CBD gummies. Have you experienced existential dread or spent an afternoon thinking about a cringeworthy thing you did five or ten years ago? We've all got our own battles, but that shouldn't mean we have to fight them alone. Luckily, CBD Sunday Scaries has you covered. It's perfect for super moms, professionals in the grind, students, creatives, party animals, drunk texters, and everyone in between. Just go to sundayscaries.com to make your order and enter the promo code NATSCHAT. That will save you 25% off your first order. Again, go to sundayscaries.com, enter the promo code NATSCHAT, and you'll save 25% off your first order. Let me tell you, as someone who struggles with sleep my entire life, this has been the perfect antidote for that. I've slept so well this baseball season ever since I got in touch with Sunday Scaries, and I guarantee you'll feel the same way. So go to sundayscaries.com, enter the promo code NASCHAT, and save 25% off your first order. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 3-0 delivery. Swinging a bouncer over the head of the third baseman Escobar and down the left field line. Robles to third will make the turn. Peralta up with it. And he will play it into second base as Robles scores on a chopping single to left for Turner. Turner speeding around first, able to get into second. And then there is the offense. And look, this was not some dominant performance from the Nationals offense, no doubt. Nationals uh, offense was silent for a good chunk of the game. Nationals only ended up finishing the game with, what, eight hits, two walks, but three for eight with runners in scoring position. Another good game for Trey Turner, who had an excellent series. Another productive game for Kyle Schwerber, who continues to come on. Victor Robles had himself a good game and a very good weekend. And the Nats end up doing certainly just enough to win this game. Three runs in that top of the eighth inning. The bats come through to the extent that the bats needed to come through in the game. Well, for seven innings, they did nothing. (laughs) I'm sorry, but for seven innings, it was three singles and two of them didn't even leave the infield and a couple of walks. And this looked like yet another one of those games where they were going to waste a fantastic pitching performance. And then the man who turned it all around and allowed everyone to breathe easy was Yadiel Hernandez, who pinch hit for Fetty in the eighth. And boy, I'll tell you, it was an impressive home run. It's impressive enough to hit a pinch hit home run. But what he did is he took a pitch that was down below his knees and away and drove it to the opposite field over the the fence and into the left field bullpen. And Victor Robles was talking about it afterwards. He says, I'm not surprised when he homers because I've seen him do this now. He's really good at it. But I am really impressed that he hit that particular pitch for a home run. Yadiel Hernandez is starting to get comfortable with this pinch hitting role. He is now for his career five for 14 with two doubles and a home run as a pinch hitter. Not bad. And it's not an easy thing to do. He's mentioned it. He's been a regular everyday player pretty much his whole life. It's a tough thing to come off the bench, but he has the skills to do that because he is such a good opposite field hitter. We'll just take what they give you. That was a really nice way for them to break out. And then everything came after that. Robles double, Turner double, Schwarber RBI single. And next thing you know, they have three runs, but it started with Yadiel Hernandez. And that was nice to see. Yeah, that was a tremendous hit for him. Trey Turner in the game, three for four, double, two singles, and an RBI, two out single, top of the third, leadoff single on a one-two pitch in the top of the six, RBI double, and that three-run eighth. Turner in the series, seven for 13 with a home run, three doubles, three singles, and five RBI. I don't know if you saw his interview on Masson after the game, but he got asked about whether he likes being the number one batter. Trey was the number one batter in all three games in the series, and I had to laugh because Trey basically said, I don't care where I hit. I just want to hit in the same spot game in, game out, so I can get used to something and develop a sense of routine. I, I could just hear what he was saying, because it's what I've talked about, what we've talked about. Davey changes the lineup all the time, right? And, and Trey has not been someone who has not been impacted by that, right? Some games, number one batter, some games, number three batter. You can tell he's just like, just leave me in a spot and let me be, okay? Let me just do what I need to do. And maybe we're seeing that here with Trey Turner batting leadoff in all three games. I, I mean, I, I'm sure the lineup will be tinkered with again. But Trey has been great this season and a really good series for him. Yeah, he is coming around and looking like the complete hitter that he's supposed to be. And I completely understand why he feels the way he does. 
but I am kind of thinking that it's not the right answer to have him hit leadoff with at least with Juan Soto second, because what we did see this weekend didn't cost them in this game, but we are seeing teams pitching around Soto because they don't trust the protection behind them. And it happened with Schwarber earlier in the weekend. It happened with Ryan Zimmerman on Sunday, where they essentially pitched around Soto in the third inning. And now Zim comes up with the bases loaded and pops up. And that's not going to work in the long run. We've seen it too many times over the years. So I'm still a fan of Trey Turner hitting behind Juan Soto, which would make him the number three hitter. And that would make Victor Robles the leadoff hitter. I don't want to relitigate this one, but Robles has a 352 on base percentage now. He's looking better. He's walking at a rate we haven't seen from him before. He's running the bases better. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it would be worth it to just go Robles, Soto, Turner, and run with that for a little while and see what happened. I don't know what you have to lose at this point because the protection guys behind Soto are just not getting the job done, and that is going to cost them games in the long run, I think. This is what it was supposed to be. This is what we talked about in spring training. Robles one, Soto two, Turner three, or you could do Turner two, Soto three, however you want to do it, and Davey won't do it. And Robles, I mean, Robles was the number nine batter in all three games. Like, we've come to just accept that Davey bats the pitcher ahead of Robles. And I'm like, I just find that to be absurd. Robles in the series, five for eight, five for eight, four doubles, a single and a walk, three RBI, two for two on stolen bases. Knock on wood, the base running boo-boos have calmed down with Victor. You mentioned the on-base, 352 for him on the season. And with Kyle Schwarber, you know, he is rising here. Kyle Schwarber's OPS has ascended by 149 points over his last 10 games now. That's a big leap. I mean, I know it's still relatively early in the season, but 149-point leap in your OPS. Schwarber was the number four batter in all three games. Maybe that's his spot for the season. Five for 13, home run, four singles, two walks, a hit by pitch, and three RBI. Still waiting on Josh Bell. Who knows if that does happen, but it feels like maybe with Schwarber, he's getting to where you want him to be, or at the very least, he's becoming more of a force. Like He was in that Josh Bell territory for so much of the early portion of this season. He's been a lot better over the last, say, week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, I think he has separated himself from that discussion where Bell is kind of still in that, oh man, this is almost disaster territory. And he's had his moments, but not consistently, where I think Schwarber, we're starting to see a little more consistency. And I think it's because of his ability to hit the ball the other way. He will take an outside pitch and drive it to left field, not quite at Juan Soto level, but at, at still at a, a decent rate. And I think that will do it. You know, he's never been a high batting average guy. He's been a high walk, so high on base percentage high slugging guy. And at the moment, you know, 310 on base percentage is not great, but it's up from where it was. Uh, he is drawing his walks. He's striking out a lot, 36 times already. But when he connects, he is connecting and he's come through in some big spots for them. And I think that is a good sign. But just back to Robles here real quick. I'm looking at the team stat page now. The team's on base leaders among the regulars. Soto at 393, Harrison 381, Turner 369, and then Robles 352. So. I don't think that's a number nine hitter. <laughs> that's someone who could do more for you at the top of a lineup as a table setter. And I know the argument here is as a nine hitter, he's basically the second leadoff hitter. And you're essentially saying, okay, we're just skipping him the first time through the order. That's basically what you're doing when you hit him ninth and say, okay, well, he's now leading off the rest of the game. Well, at some point, why not try letting him lead off the whole game and see if Turner and Soto can do something behind him. And, and like I said, I do think the protection for Soto is a problem. And I think it's something in the long run is going to cost them. 
because look, he's struggling. He does not look right himself right now. He's hitting a lot of hard ground balls, not able to elevate, but he's only getting so many pitches to hit. And if they don't trust whoever's hitting behind him, then he's really not going to get anything to hit. So at least put him in the best possible position to get pitches to hit and snap out of his funk. And to me, that's putting Trey Turner behind him. Yeah, Soto in the series, I mean, he got on base at a decent clip, but he didn't do a lot. Three of 12, three singles, three walks, three RBI. Since he came off the IL, Juan Soto was batting 216. He has a 370 on base, but he's slugging 297. He's hit for almost zero power since he came off the IL. It's been a real issue for the Nationals offensively. By the way, a very bad series for Starling Castro as well. That hitting streak feels like about a decade ago at this point. 0 for 14. 0 for 14 was Castro in the series with a couple of walks. One more on Robles, though. Why do you think Davey was so quick to pull the plug on Robles as a number one batter? What is the deal with that? Why won't Davey go back to that? And the thing about the number nine batter as a second leadoff hitter, it's not a second leadoff hitter because he doesn't bat leadoff and he doesn't come up until maybe the third inning in a game. So like, I know that's like a nice way of saying it, but that's not the truth. Like when you're the number nine batter, that is a an indictment of you, at least an indictment of the way you're viewed by the manager. Like you don't bat good hitters ninth. Nobody bats a good hitter ninth. What is Davey's problem with Robles? What do you think is the deal there? I think it started out with them not being real happy at him expanding the zone as much as he was early on. He was chasing pitchers out of the zone, which has been his problem for a while now. He was taking his walks in the beginning, and they liked that. But I think it was a combination of chasing out of the zone and running himself into outs early on. If you're going to lead off and they're going to trust you to be the guy to get on in front of the big hitters, you can't then run yourself into outs on the bases. So I think it was a little bit of that. And then what you've seen since is this kind of constant tinkering and trying to find the right combination to make it work. And the strange part is once he starts having success in the nine spot, like he has here lately, I think Davey is the type of manager who says, well, I don't want to mess around with it when it's working. I don't want him to start thinking about this too much. So even though he's probably played well enough to merit a promotion to the leadoff spot or somewhere else in the lineup, the manager is worried that if he does that, Robles is going to start thinking about it and now approaching it differently. Just let him stay where he is. So I get that. But is Victor Robles going to be a number nine hitter for the rest of his career? No, I don't think so. If they had the 2019 lineup with all that depth to it, then that's fine. I can understand that. But they don't. They're struggling right now to produce consistent offense. You have someone who is doing, for the most part, what they ask you to do all along, and he's been doing it better here in the last few weeks. Why don't you reward him for that? Put him up there, see what he can do. Maybe it doesn't work, but right now, so many things haven't worked that what do you have to lose by trying it out at least for you know a week or something like that? We'll see. I don't think it's going to happen, like I said, but I think there is an argument to make for at least giving it a try. Hey guys, Al Galdi here to tell you about FanDuel. I'm so excited that we have baseball. There's nothing like watching a game with great weather, a cold drink, and a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you've never bet on baseball before, now's actually the perfect time to give that a shot because FanDuel is letting new users swing for the fences risk-free. You'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. And once you have an account, you can get up to $25 back each day if your same-game parlay bet Falls one leg short. This way you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win all season long. And here's a play for you for Monday night. New York Yankees at the Texas Rangers. Garrett Cole on the mound for the Yankees. Sub-2 ERA. Yankees certainly feel like the play. 
There's a reason that FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds in all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same game parlay and always on promotions that let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code CHAT to get in on the action. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on my real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT-INDIANA. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER. New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789, or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Next up for the Nationals is a four-game series at the Chicago Cubs, Monday through Thursday. The Nats rotation, we think, at least has been announced as John Lester, Patrick Corbin, Max Scherzer, Joe Ross. If Steven Strasburg gets activated then what? Which game would he start? Who would be impacted in terms of these four guys who've just been announced? None of them would be impacted because he would need his four days off. So that would be Friday at the earliest against the Orioles for Strasburg. That would be Fetty's spot. So that's why I was saying, even if Ross is chosen as the one to lose his job, he's going to get another start unless something's wrong with him because Strasburg wouldn't be ready by Thursday to do that. So maybe they could go Ross on Thursday and then even let Fetty and Strasburg both pitch over the weekend against the Orioles before they then have to make that decision. So sort of like delaying that decision a little bit, I could see that happening. I'm intrigued, though, by the first game in the series, John Lester making his return to Wrigley Field, also Kyle Schwarber making his return to Wrigley Field. Lester did a Zoom call with us on Saturday, and including that was a lot of Chicago media who wanted to talk to him. And he brought up you know, an interesting point, which is he didn't get to really have his farewell in Chicago last year because there weren't any fans in attendance and because he didn't know whether that was the end of his time there. His contract was up, but there was thought that maybe he'd return. He was hoping to return. And so he's really looking forward to this as sort of like his chance to have some closure with the Cubs and their fans. It's also something he never got in Boston. He has not pitched at Fenway Park since his final start there before they traded him to Oakland a long time ago in midseason. So he's kind of always regretted not having that chance. Now he's going to have a chance to face his friends in Chicago and experience that with the fans. And I'll be interested. I mean, he's a tough as nails guy, so I don't think it's going to affect him at all. But you would understand why he might be a little bit emotional and hopefully it doesn't impact the actual performance because the Nats need him to pitch well in this game. Yeah, they do. You know, it's interesting with Lester because he was not very good for the Cubs his last two seasons with the team, but prior to that, he was outstanding. John Lester's actually an example of a big money free agent contract for a starting pitcher that did work out. Now, it wasn't as big deal as the Scherzer deal, let's say, but that was a big money contract the Cubs gave him years ago, and Lester largely lived up to that contract, including being terrific in the postseason. So, He is very well regarded and should be well regarded by Chicago Cubs fans. So yeah, uh, and Lester's been good so far for the Nationals. So hopefully another good start coming uh, from him. And then that's like we said, we'll go Corbin, Scherzer, Ross. And then we shall see. The intrigue is in full effect now. And Eric Fetty, credit to him, making things intriguing with the job that he ended up doing on Sunday in a Nationals win at the Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, just thinking about this with the Nats, you know, it, it's, it's still been kind of this herky-jerky season where I like where it's like two steps forward, two steps back. You know, Nats still haven't really caught fire or anything like that, but they also haven't like sunk 
either. I think it's good they got two out of three. This is not a good Diamondbacks team. Nats had not won a series since sweeping the Miami Marlins April 30th through May 2nd. So I know it's like, you know, series wins, like people don't really track a season that way. But it, I think it would have been painful to lose a series at the Diamondbacks. This is not a good team. This is a series the Nats should win. This is a team the Nats should beat. So good to see them actually get the series victory with that win on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. And I think actually players do care about that. You hear about them talking all the time. Hey, let's win the series. If you win every series and you've won 108 games for the season, that's two out of three. It's not going to happen all the time, but they do place importance on that. They don't like to look at the real big picture and say, well, how have we done on this trip or on, you know, for this month? But they do look at individual three game series with some importance and say, let's at least get two out of three from an opponent. And, and, They won't admit this part, but yeah, against a team like that, that they really feel like they are superior to. And look, at the end of all this, they're three games out in the NL East where the Mets just got swept by the Rays after their long winning streak. They've had some injuries. Nobody's running away with this yet. And that's helping make this rocky start for the Nats a little easier to swallow because they're hanging around enough. And then the hope would be at some point they do get it all together and get hot. All right. Well, t-shirts, buy them. They're beautiful. They'll do you some good. They'll help out the podcast, and we appreciate all the support. The website, natschatpodcast.square.site. That's natschatpodcast.square.site. Good-looking shirts. Give them as a gift. Buy some for yourself, whatever works for you. But uh, we're very excited to have those going and look forward to uh, selling those and making them a big part of the Nats Chat podcast experience. All Nationals highlights on the Nats Chat podcast are brought to you by 106.7 The Fan. Also, Steven Strasburg's highlight from his rehab outing is courtesy of Fox Sports 1280 in Rochester. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. And the pitch to vote. Breaking ball. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. And a curly W and a series win in the books at Chase Field in Phoenix. The Nationals take two of three from the Diamondbacks. Hand will get save number four. Final score in Phoenix. The Washington Nationals three. The Arizona Diamondbacks nothing. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.